that if I was going to make impact with organizations, I had to bring more, a bit more tangible nature to this human potential idea. The same skills could be applied to create a tool that would bring a bit more objectivity to this very subjective and kind of misunderstood idea of what, what do we mean by human potential. Hi, I am your host, Raquel Ark, and welcome to your Listening Superpower podcast. This show opens your mind on ways to transform challenging conversations into opportunities for clarity, connection, and ease at work and at home. Discover how to grow your listening superpower to help you become a more effective communicator. Be inspired by conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will help you grow your leadership toolbox with strategies that you can use right away. Let's work smarter and feel better with our listening superpower. We all hear about how employee engagement is at an all-time low in organizations. What about your engagement? How are you at work? And what if you understood better how to thrive in your work and in your environment. My guest on your Listening Superpower podcast is Mark Vandeninde, and he is the co-founder of the global assessment and coaching organization, Being at Full Potential. His focus is on helping to access and unlock the full human potential in our organizations. Mark is also the author of The Being Entrepreneur and a passionate storyteller and filmmaker in the area of business transformation. In this episode, Mark shares his entrepreneurial journey, and you might be surprised, and this might also help you to look at your future and your potential with fresh eyes. Enjoy listening in. Welcome to the Listening Superpower Podcast, Mark. I'm really happy to have you on this episode. Thank you for having me, Raquel. To start our conversation, let's go back to a moment in time where you first started to notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't. Yeah, so the first thing that came to mind with this question is, takes me back to about 2012. I had just made a really big move, which was to step out of my corporate job, not because I was, you know, super unhappy or anything, but because I had discovered something within me that I wanted to express more of. You know, I discovered my deeper purpose. And there was a lot of clarity that, is, that came through at the time for me. And, and it was very much an inner journey. And I think, you know, that was a big step after 10 years of, you know, I would say comfort and security and, you know, a relatively enjoyable time in that position into the unknown and into something that I think very few people around me understood what I was doing. But it was very clear inside of me. You know, that was, I would say, probably the moment where listening, the depth of listening really became apparent to me and the power that it has to 
yeah, to change the course of our lives, really. And to put us on our path of purpose and meaning and, you know, something very unique that, you know, I felt was really my contribution to make. You were in corporate world doing, you know, within a good job. And, but there was something, I guess, where you're, I don't know if restless is the right word, but there was something else that you said you wanted to express yourself and, and your purpose and whatnot. You know, that's a big jump. And we probably, a lot of us all have a kind of a sense of, oh, how do I have impact? How do we, how, what's my purpose here? What was that, that moment that really made the shift or the turning point where you decided to make that decision? And now looking, you said it's been 10 years now looking back at that decision that was made, which was probably a really big deal back then. What is it that you know now that you maybe even didn't realize in that moment? Okay. So the turning point, so, you know, I can talk a little bit more afterwards about what that purpose was and the clarity and, you know, it came through, I discovered coaching and I, I, I was receiving coaching from somebody and, and all these things that were discovered about who I am and everything started to make sense. Like my life started to make sense. You know, I could connect many of the dots that were just seemingly random you know, for most of my life. And all of a sudden it all started to fit together. And so when that clarity came, you know, my first impulse was not, oh, I need to leave the corporate world, right? My first impulse was how can I express what I'm discovering within this environment? So I remember I, you know, I, I, I went to my boss and I was, you know, sharing all of the excitement of my discoveries. And then, you know, she was encouraging, but like, yeah, you know, not sure if I can help you go speak to this person, go speak to that person. So I eventually I went, you know, and I spoke to some of the HR leaders and they were all, I think, inspired by, you know, this sense of inner clarity that was coming through. But at the end of the day, and, and I had some ideas, you know, I had some ideas on how I could express this. And I even had ideas of new roles that could be created of how I could be, you know, showing up in, in different ways that didn't exist at all. And at the end of the day, you know, the conclusion was we really like what you're trying to do, but we're not ready as an organization to, you know, create new positions like this, maybe 10 years from now, or at this point, you know, we can't carve out that type of space for you. So that was really the signal for me that if I can make whatever is coming through me happen in this environment, then that's a sign that I need to go and create it on my own or as an entrepreneur. So yeah. And like I said, from one day to the next, I was, I basically said, you know, I resigned. I said, I know what I need to do and to move on. And the journey started from there. Hmm. And then you became an entrepreneur from one day to the next so basically you listened deeply and you became very clear of your purpose. Often, you know, people come ask that often, how do I get clear? How do I know what my reason, you know, is to be here? What's, you know, how do I figure out my purpose? And what have you realized about listening to purpose? I mean, you said you had a coach, you had someone helping you think through things, but maybe there was other things. What do you think are, what helped you get clear about your purpose? Yeah, I think it's, you know, in hindsight, it's very obvious. It's one of those things that is, 
it's hiding in plain sight. You know, it's there. It's so core to who we are. But all these layers get built up over the years that we don't, we just, we disconnect from it, but it's there, you know, and it's, it's speaking to us all the time and we just don't really listen to it. So I think, you know, in the coaching, I was able to connect with it, but since then I've discovered that there's actually much easier ways, you know, you simply, simply going back to what you love doing as a child or what you love doing in your free time. You know, those, those hobbies where you, you just lose yourself in what you're doing, right. And time and, and yeah, it, you just lose yourself in it. And I think what I discovered is that it's not what you're doing that is necessarily related to your purpose, but it's the essence of what you're doing. It's what those activities represent. So for example, you know, I always loved having deep conversations with friends, right? That was something where I, I would lose myself in that. And always amazing things would happen and amazing discoveries would be made. And, you know, that's something I could recognize quite easily throughout my life is those one-on-one -on -one deep connections. And, you know, of course, now a lot of my work is one-on-one -on -one deep connections, but that is not the purpose. It's what those deep conversations represent, right? It represents seeing the uniqueness in other people and in things. It represents connecting with visions and ideas. It represents sparking creativity and ideas within ourselves. It represents overcoming, you know, things that we're stuck with, stuckness. Right. Often in those deep conversations, things that we're struggling with would come up and an hour later it would be completely resolved or, you know, something completely new would have been born out of that. So it's this transformational power. That's what it represents, you know, and I think that is, that is the clue of what my purpose is, right? It, it is, it lies somewhere there. I guess that's what I mean by it's hiding in plain sight. You know, if we pay attention and if we go beneath the surface of the things that we love doing, we get to the essence of it, the deeper qualities of what it's all about. And I think that's where, where the power lies. And I was thinking as you were speaking about that, I thought, you know, oh, cause those are just these little mundane, but so <laughs> impactful moments that we have that often you're right. We just kind of go on to the next moment instead of noticing, Hey, that moment really had an impact. You know, that that's where this idea came from or, Oh yeah, I wasn't, I was kind of in my little hamster wheel and now I'm not all of a sudden. And to even stop and notice that and recognize those moments for what they are and how, what they mean to you and how they nourish or nurture you. We don't often do that, do we? So you made this change. You went to, let's talk a little bit about your journey. You had talked to the organization about rules that you would like to play and you thought, okay, I'm going to go do it on my own, you know, if I can't do it here. So you would have liked to. And, you know, I know that happens often because there's a bigger system through which we have to work through and it doesn't always, you know, the timing or the space or whatever is doesn't move as fast as sometimes we would like it to. But what did you, you know, so this was at some point in time you tapped into 
creating an assessment that tapped into human potential. So you started paying attention to your own potential. And then where did this idea or process come to tapping into the potential of other or what potential even means? Yeah. So there's a story I that I think is really important part of this journey that speaks to what you're just asking here, I think, Raquel. I had clarity on, or more or less inner clarity on what I wanted to do, which was to to bring deeper human connection within organizational context, right? And I didn't exactly speak about it like that, but it was about unleashing human potential within the organizational context. So that was the essence of what was coming through me. Basically, because I saw so many people around me, very talented people that were, you know, only half engaged in what they were doing. And I just had this sense, like, there's so much untapped potential here. You know, what would it look like if, you know, if, if it gets fully realized? What would an organization or a team be able to achieve then? You know, so th- these were some of the things that were, were present with me. Like I said, I didn't speak about it back then. It was, you know, it was different language. It was really language that was not yet very accessible to the type of people that I was trying to attract, which were organizations and teams. So I was coming and approaching people with, you know, this deep sense of conviction. And I was getting as a response, you know, something like, you know, I see that you're very passionate, but I don't see how I can bring you in, you know. I don't clearly understand how it's going to benefit me and my organization, essentially, right? So there were a lot of doors that kind of opened because I had relationships with these people in the beginning. And then, you know, within a year or two years of stepping out, a lot of those doors had closed, or at least they felt closed to me. So there I was, you know, a year in, year and a half in, and my enthusiasm had gone from 100 to probably down to like 30 or 20, you know, on a scale of one to 100. And I was at a point where I just, well, I only see two options here. You know, one is to, yeah, to turn around and go back to what I was doing before. Or the other is to continue sort of as an entrepreneur, but, but really dilute my offering, you know, and make it sort of more mainstream, right? And, and use language that people understand and kind of go at it that way. And, but neither of those felt good, right? So I had this sort of inner tension and it was, it was a very challenging time, you know, a lot of sleepless nights and, you know, frustration and like, what am I doing? You know, it doesn't, nothing make sense. You know, nobody around me really you know, was really supporting me or at least supporting me in, in a way where it came from them understanding, you know, what I wanted to do. And it was at, at the end of the road there, you know, as it always happens, right? When you hold attention long enough, then all of a sudden there's something that breaks through. So I think that's one of my big lessons. Part of what deep listening is about holding, being able to hold attention and inner attention long enough without, you know, letting it put you totally off track, right? Just holding it. And then something happens. And what happened for me was the realization that actually there's not just two choices. There's many, many other choices. 
And the one that became apparent to me was to continue down the path that I had chosen, but to take a step back and to let go of the belief that I had, that I had the answer, I had the solution. I knew what people needed in order to unleash potential in the people. That was the energy that I was passionate. I was, I had a lot of conviction and I was approaching people from that place of, I know what you need. And my insight was to let go of that fixed state. You know, it's a fixed kind of way of being and enter into a place of curiosity, of not knowing and going back. And it's funny because in my corporate job, I was a researcher. I was a market researcher. And what I actually discovered is I needed to go back into research mode. I needed to become a researcher again. And rather than tell people what they needed, to go back and listen to what they need and approach them from that place, from a place of curiosity, from a place of wanting to learn what are the pain points, you know, and why are they experiencing these pain points? And so that set on a completely different path. And I for like the next year or year and a half, a lot of things started to flow, including a documentary film that I did, just one of those magical experiences where two professional filmmakers decided to join me because they just loved the idea and you know, went on this adventure to go and speak to people and to talk to them and, and to learn from them. And, and this story came together. And in the process, it was like a rite of passage for me. It was like I was going, I was maturing in my new role as an entrepreneur. And when those stories and those films started to come together, I had a whole different energy in which I would go and talk to people. You know, I had something concrete I could show them. I had stories I could tell. And that made all the difference in terms of them being willing to listen. You know, in the process, I'd also, my language had evolved. You know, the way I talk about these things was evolving so that I could more easily meet people where they're at rather than expect them to meet me where I'm at, you know, and expect them to understand that language, you know, the things that I was sort of so passionate about. So there was this building of a bridge with the people I wanted to serve. And that just opened up, you know, the doors. It started opening up the doors. And the energy became free, you know, everything started to move again. I went from this very fixed, yeah, this place of tension and frustration to this place of possibilities, you know, and openness and, and yeah, and that's where a lot of the creativity started to come in. A lot of the innovation started to come in. That's where the idea of creating the human potential assessment came up and that, you know, opened up a whole path where we ended up attracting people and certifying people and the first clients started to come and you know it set off a whole number of just amazing things but you know, it, was, when I, it was the rite of passage that made all the difference well i was thinking this rite of passage i mean you talked about a bridge but there was this thing about you you were listening to yourself you got clear but then when you talked about the doors being shut, you weren't meeting them where they were at. And then later on, your language changed and you started listening to them and meeting them. What I'm noticing with your story is that at the beginning, it was you wanted to have impact, but it was still about you. 
you know, because it was part of your, what you were discovering for yourself. So it was about, you were probably more in your kind of world more so. And then over time as that evolved, and then you let go of that fixed state and opened up to others and started listening to others, then it created a whole different energy. Yes, but a dynamic. And what I think is really interesting also, as you evolved in your language and you involved in your awareness and you started listening that it also, I don't want to say a two-way street because yes, it was going back and forth. Maybe there was this bridge, but actually it went beyond the bridge. So you created this bridge, but actually the ideas and stuff were beyond the bridge, right? And so maybe there's another metaphor there, but it took you learning how to speak in a way that made it easy for them to listen to you, where you, but you had to listen first to them. And then through the human potential assessment, Maybe you can describe this a little bit to our listeners, because this is an assessment that helps, believe it or not, listen to potential. (laughs) I know that seems a little bit, we think that's so abstract, but actually you found a way. (laughs) And I think that's really exciting. Maybe you can describe that a little bit. Yeah, definitely listen to potential and to a certain extent, even measure potential. You know, it goes back to this idea of meeting people where they're at and integrating all of my life experiences. You know, I think that's also a really important part of listening is that all the things that we go through are sort of stepping stones to being able to deliver some, you know, our purpose, right? Our bigger purpose. And, and for me, like I said, I came from market research background. So I was, you know, quite experienced in designing surveys and you know, knowing how to ask questions in the right way without bias. And I was quite, you know, good at analysis and coming up with insights and finding the story and data and how do you present the story and how do you tell, you know, all of these things, right, that are part of what a market researcher does. It was very much in the context, of course, of, you know, the kind of products that we were, that I was working on at the time. But those same skills, I realized some years afterwards that, the same still skills could be applied to create a tool that would bring a bit more objectivity to this very subjective and yeah kind of misunderstood idea of what what do we mean by human potential right and you know i knew that if i was going to make impact with organizations i had to bring more a bit more tangible nature to this human potential idea you know, unless people are fully, fully on board and they totally get it and they're already on that path themselves, you know, they would probably be quite open to somebody like myself to do work with their teams and organization. But the vast majority of people in organizations today, they're not quite there yet. Maybe at personal life they are, but in their professional life, not yet. And so it doesn't mean they can't get there, right? But you need to help them to get there. And And this tool was actually one of those things that helped people get there. It was one of those things where they could say, hey, this looks really, really great. And it can help me to bring kind of a deeper level of conversation into my organization. And, you know, there's a framework there. There's there's concrete um, measurements. And we can lay that out for people to to have conversations around that. So that was really the idea is how can you 
bring people's attention on these deeper human qualities that that really unite us as human beings, you know. And you're familiar with the Human Potential House, Raquel, right? So you know some of the the dimensions there, like gratitude, generosity, curiosity, acknowledgement, trust. So these are all things that we we understand are critical to who we are as human beings. And we know that, you know, the more we can express those qualities within ourselves, the more we're going to feel alive, the more we're going to have a sense of meaning, the more we're going to be able to work well with others, collaborate, the more we'll be able to access our inspiration and unleash new ideas and innovation within the company. So, you know, intuitively people understand that these deeper human qualities and are really, really important. So when you can present it in sort of a structured way, in a framework, and you can then also say, hey, there's a survey behind this. You can take the survey and you can get a report and it can tell you, you know, where you are today in terms of expressing yourself on these qualities. You know, that's magical, right? You know, today I talk about it as the intersection between science and art, right? Because we're never going to be able to, or at least I don't believe we'll ever be able to capture human potential or consciousness, if you like, you know, within the realm of hard science, right? It's always going to be broader than science. However, science and measurements can be a very powerful way to bring a bit more objectivity to these things and to make it a bit more tangible and to make it possible for people to to have meaningful conversations around them. So for our listeners, we'll, we'll put a link where you can read more about these different potentials and how they fit within the framework. But what I realize is that you have really nice definitions of what these different qualities are so that everybody's on the same page. Because often people will say a word like, you know, gratefulness or curiosity or whatever, and we think we're all saying the same thing. But yet that can actually be very different in a business context, in a human context, in a conversation context, and from the from people's experiences with those words. And so having these clear definitions where everybody's on the same page of what that potential is and how that can relate to our day-to-day work or engagement is really, really helpful for those conversations and also to lead to, you know, actions that can be taken you know, that everybody's on the same track. And I think that's really, really valuable. Yeah, that's totally correct. The definitions are are a huge part of it. You know, often we'll, you know, we'll get somebody or, you know, people in the team and and they'll look at the result and, you know, it'll say you're, you're unexpressed, right? Because we, that's, that's the language we use, right? It's, you know, you're fully expressed, well-expressed, underexpressed or unexpressed, right? And it's really important because, the fundamental belief is that as human beings, we all have access to these qualities. So it's not that some people have it, other people don't, or that some people have a strength in it and other for others, it's a weakness. No, these are the qualities that unite us as human beings. And the only difference is for some people, they're in a place in their life where they can express more of it, right? And others are not expressing it, but it doesn't mean that they can't, right? If you if they have the right conditions and support, et cetera, it can be discovered and rediscovered within them and expressed. But going back to the definition, what what we often see is that 
you know, the initial reaction might be, you know, oh, that's really surprising. I would have thought I'm a very curious person. You know, why is it saying that it's underexpressed? Right. I would expect it to be really highly expressed. Right. I'm a very, very curious person. I always ask questions. And so there's a bit of a tension there. And then what we do, the way we kind of work with that is to say, okay, let's go to the definition. Right. And then we anchor ourselves on the definition. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's not that we have the right definition, but the data is based on the way that we have defined it. So we also need to interpret the data based on the definition. So in this case, definition of curiosity is looking at the world through fresh eyes, I think, more or less something like looking at the world through fresh eyes or through different lens or something like that. And then you can start to have a conversation with the person to say, okay, how does that feel now? You know, if, you, if you're looking at yourself through this definition, do you now see more opportunity for growth in this area, et cetera, right? So, and almost always it leads, it's where the tension is the greatest is also where the greatest insight is for that individual. I never shy away. You know, in the beginning, when we were first using the tool and I was not very experienced with it, I would always feel like, oh, maybe the tool doesn't work, you know, and maybe this data is not correct. So I would kind of want to avoid the tensions but the more I worked with it, the more I realized that, hey, this thing is really doing what it's supposed to do. And when the tensions would come up, I would really embrace them and I would go, okay, this is where we need to focus the, the energy. This is where we need to bring the conversation. Because the more we explore that, the more we dig there, the richer the insight is going to be for that individual. I can imagine it kind of also helped to, you know, what we intend and what we actually do are two different things. And it probably helps for people to become aware of that so that they can close the gap because often we want to be a certain way. We want to listen better. We want to do this, but in reality, you know, we don't always do what we think. So that probably helps, you know, close that gap from knowing and doing, I would yeah, imagine. That's right. You know, that's one of the other techniques, right? When there is that tension, very, very simple thing to do is say, okay, so let's look at an example. You know, can you give me an example of when you've exhibited curiosity in the last couple of days, and then something will come up and then we'll say, okay, so that was the action. Is that, to what extent is that looking at the world through fresh eyes, right? So it's like a gentle kind of, you know, pushing back and forth, right? And eventually the insight might come like, yeah, I see myself as somebody who is really open and able to look at things with fresh lens and everything. But you're right, you know, when I look at the actual examples that I'm presenting, it's not quite there. So that is very powerful, right? When the insight comes from them, that may be a bit of a disconnect between how I portray myself and how I'm actually behaving on a day-to-day -day basis. But the beautiful thing about the way we use the tool is that as the coach or facilitator, it's not my job to tell them that there's a disconnect. My job is simply to probe, to ask questions, so they can eventually come to that conclusion themselves. And I think that's also what sets this a bit apart from other tools is it really works with a coaching methodology. It doesn't work with a consultant methodology. So if you come in and say, hey, here's your results, this is what it means, this is what you need to do differently, basically it doesn't work. And it also shuts people down. And, you know, this goes back to what sparked you a long time is noticing that there's these people with potential, but they weren't fully engaged, right? 
And that's because we're always telling people what to do. And so now even the process, it's not only tapping into the potential, but the process that you're using is one that is more likely to get people engaged on their own, take ownership, take responsibility, which may take a little bit more time to talk through, but in the long run has a lot more impact than just telling people what to do. And then it, you know, they may or may not do it. Right. But their heart's not there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just to quickly loop back on the, the purpose that we started off with, you know, I talked about those deep conversations that I've had, you know, ever since I can remember with friends and other one-on-one conversations. And I think, you know, it's a transformational power of, of those conversations of listening to each other, of holding space for each other, of challenging each other, questioning to eventually come to some transformation, some breakthrough. And I think that that is the line, you know, the thread that is carrying through, you know, that is an essential part of who I am and why I am here, you know, and, and today I can connect those dots backwards. Right. But when I was 16 and I was in high school or whatever, and, you know, I'd find myself on a Friday night sitting with just one other person, you know, and having a hour or hours of conversation. It just, it felt good, but I had no clue that that was part of who I am, you know, that that was like part of my purpose in life, that there was an aspect of that that was going to inform the rest of my life. You know, that's, I think, pretty cool. That's really, really cool. And so you mentioned that you were, this. it's been 10 years, you're closing the 10 year chapter of when you first started this whole journey that we've been talking about the whole time. And there's been a lot, a lot has happened in 10 years. 10 years is not that long. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, Mark, lots, a lot has happened. <laughs> and so I know that you are someone that, and I have a lot of respect for this because I don't know if we often do this enough. I know I don't, or I'm trying to be more conscious of this, but to really set time aside to reflect on where I'm at now, where I want to go. So more this reflective time to allow things to continue to evolve. And so now that we're at the this 10 year point, what is showing up for you now in the direction of work and what you're doing? I think it's important to talk about that passaging phase. You know, it was 2020 is when the chapter closed and it was painful closing, but it closed. And then there was this period of kind of in between, you know, I knew I wasn't there anymore, but I had, I didn't know where I was really going. I was in this, in this space of kind of limbo. And again, that's this place that is uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable for me, I think for many people, but you can shortcut it it can't be shortcut. It's like, if you try to shortcut it, you'll be, you know, I think pulled back into it very quickly. Eventually, you know, I, I think I did embrace it. And that was an opportunity for me to, to capture my lessons as an entrepreneur. I ended up calling it the being entrepreneur. So it was entrepreneurship from a place of being, or in other words, allowing your ideas to come from a place within you rather than from explicit needs in the marketplace, right? We typically think about entrepreneurship as meeting a need that is out there. But I think what I had experienced was meeting a need that was coming from within 
you know, a calling that was coming from within and then finding a way to bridge that into the market. So this idea of being entrepreneurship, you know, I felt like I'd learned a lot of lessons and this was a moment to capture those lessons. And, and so there was, you know, a book that I released at the end of 2021 and it was in the writing that I could really put closure to that first chapter, you know, and it was really important to put closure to that. And that's when a new chapter started to open up for me and it happened slowly, but very naturally. And I started to get a vision for where do I want to take this work, you know, for the next 10 years, right? So up to 2030, where, what do I see? How do I see this evolving? And I think one thing that really came through quite clearly is that there is a shift from focusing on organizations and to focusing on individuals and especially younger people. I've developed a very strong, I guess, connection with this younger generation, you know, also because my kids have, are growing up, you know, see their lives and what's going on with them and their friends. And, and I feel, you know, quite connected and, and I just love what they're bringing, you know, and their, the way they're looking at things and how intuitively they, they are connecting with the essence of this human potential work. It just makes sense to them. You know, there's no need to explain it or there's no need to get them on board because they're already there. They already get it. And, and so accompanying them, you know, and that feels like a very important part of what is to come, you know, this year, the years to come. And, and, you know, so there's been a lot of building and specifically, you know, a platform where people can go and they can help themselves in terms of their development, you know, their, their journey of self-realization, they can access all kinds of resources and tools. And so that, that's just one of the things, you know, and I realize, I, I know that this is still very early on the journey, but I definitely have noticed that there is a shift away you know, still including working with organizations, but not, that's not the main focus, right? There's this opening up to how can this work, um, yeah, support this younger generation. I'm very much enjoying that. So I love what you're saying, you know, really, because there's always a lot of questions, you know, how to work with the younger generation. I mean, there's, you hear organizations, they're recognizing there are differences in work you know, how people work, what the expectations, what the values and stuff are. And so as you, because I love how that you're embracing that and really listening at a level where you're learning from them, not just telling them how they should do things. Right. And so if you were to give some practical advice to, you know, younger leaders, what would you say? So I can quite easily answer the question to you know, like I would say older, like my generation, our generation <laughs> leaders. Then give the advice to our generation. <laughs> yeah. Like that are struggling, you know, with the younger people coming in, right? They're like, oh, they're so, you know, unreliable. And, you know, one day they want this, the other day they want that. And, you know, they can't conform and whatever, right? There, I have a pretty clear idea on how it can be done differently. And, and that is to you know, to look at these young people as a fountain of creativity and ideas. 
because that's what I feel they're bringing. They are connected to a new story, you know, a new paradigm. And I think organizations need to evolve in that direction, right? If they're going to survive in the long term. So their priority should be how can we harness this natural creativity and how can we harness the ideas that are there amongst this generation? How can we listen to them, learn from them? And of course, you know, our strength as more senior leaders is finding ways to channel that, finding ways to make it effective, finding ways to translate that into concrete projects, you know, finding ways to get funding and, you know, all of this, that stuff still needs to be done, but it's like, where are the ideas coming from? And I think shifting the role from top down, you know, this is, these are our plans, these are our initiatives, these are the strategies, you know, we need you to execute, right? You're at the executor level. I think that is just, it's not working and it's just going to become more and more and more obvious that that's not working. I think the other approach is to say, you are the fountain of ideas and creativity and we want to learn and we're going to help you to bring them to life in the organization. Yeah. We're going to help you yep. to be effective. Yeah. That would make all the difference. It would make all the difference. You know, I was just thinking about conversations that I've had also in coaching sessions over even the last month or two, where this comes up where, you know, with younger people who have these ideas and, and then all of a sudden they're measured, you know, their performance is measured on very concrete organizational goals. And yet they've done these extra creative things of bringing people together and networking and who knows what, or creating you know, these idea stuff, but it's not part of what they're measured on in their performance goals. So they're, so even their boss will say, Hey, that's really great that you're doing that, but you also got to focus on what you're measured on. Right. And then they get frustrated <laughs> because, you know, that's part of what gives them energy to also do the work they're supposed to do. Right. And so then the question comes up, how can I make it visible? The impact of this work also, you know, because that's, that's so much fun. And I know it helped in this way. And yet that's not measured. How can I measure that and show that? So this is a conversation that's come up. And so what you're saying is also for some of these leaders that we're giving advice to at the moment, you know, not only to embrace the ideas and, but one thing I realize is helping to put the structure on there because sometimes they may not know how to be prepared or how to structure, or how to frame it, how to move it forward. They don't have those experiences, but they learn very quick to have that. And then also if we're doing measurements in organizations, how can we support that also so that their this creative side is valued because it does have an impact on the glue in the organization. It's a cultural shift, uh, Raquel. It, it really is at that level. It's not a tweak. You know, this is really a pretty fundamental change in how you know, in how an organization looks at, at their people, the potential of their people, but also beyond that, looks at their role in, in society, the extent to which they can think long-term. So all of these things, I think, have to fall in place for a cultural shift to happen, you know? And uh, I believe it's going to happen. 
I believe there's going to be some companies who are going to be proactive in making it happen. And I think there's other companies that are going to, to be forced in some way or, you know, that it will come to a point where it breaks down enough that something new is going to, you know, to come through just because it has to. But I think it's the proactive ones that are going to have a competitive advantage. You know, they're going to be the ones who, who are going to be doing very well in the years ahead. You know, I, I practice this very much, Raquel. You know, the first people I go to, the first person I go to for advice on anything, you know, whether it be related to, to my work, whether it be related to some, some creative thing I'm working on, is my daughter. First thing I go is to her, to, you know, get her input, check with her. When I'm stuck with something, I'll lay it out. And, and it's just incredible how quickly she picks up on what's actually happening and how quickly she can, you know, provide some perspective. Yeah. And then it's something will have, something happens, you know, something breaks through for me. Yeah. I see it firsthand and I've benefited from it, you know, many, many times. And I, I do the same with my son, you know, we'll, we'll sit down and chat about things and, you know, half an hour later, I'm in a different place, absolutely in a very different place. So yeah, it's really, really nice. And I was thinking, you know, if you think about this also within, it's great doing that at home. And then if you think within the organizational context, you know, just to even every so often when these ideas are showing up or there's some things that people are focused on bringing in a mix of ages, different levels without, you know, even people maybe just joined the company the week before, you know, bring a little focus group of people around just to talk things through and see you know, even questions that are being asked from people who don't have a clue are great, you know, or ideas or thoughts, and then to go from there. I think those are really uh, structures that can be put into place in the process as check-ins, reflections, and and with the question, are we really tapping into the potential, or can we take this and take it further than what we thought so far? And then people are engaged in that process too. It's really great. So as we come to the end of this episode, Mark, I, first of all, I just want to say I love our deep conversations and <laughs> we could probably keep talking for the next few hours. But as we, as you think about our listeners and, you know, a lot of people listening to this, they do work for organizations, also different types of organizations, also people in education. And are there any thoughts or ideas that you'd like to share or leave with about you know, what you've discovered on your journey and what you think might be of service. Yeah, what's coming up for me is the word intrapreneur. You know, I've spoken about the being entrepreneur, which, you know, I think captures fairly well the journey that I've been on. But I think, you know, the role that might become, or that probably is already, but is going to become even more effective in the years to come and important in the years to come is the intrapreneur or the being intrapreneur, if you like. That's a word, a lot of words, but it's essentially it's people who are embedded within organizations who are carriers of a a new vision. And, you know, we typically think about those people being very senior, you know, they're the visionaries, they're the ones who set the, the direction. But my experience is that it doesn't matter where you are in the organization. And actually, it's often maybe the more junior people who are most connected to what the future holds. And 
so I guess my invitation is to, if you recognize that within you, you know, to really embrace that entrepreneurship because, you know, we need, definitely need people within companies who know how to navigate the system with, you know, and who know how to communicate effectively and launch, you know, small size pilot projects here and there. I think with all this new stuff, it doesn't, it almost never makes sense to deploy from the top down, right? I think more traditional programs work well in that, you know, in that fashion. But I think the, the emerging ones work much better in an organic way. You know, when you start small and you, you experiment and you try and you play with it, and then you capture the stories, the lessons, and you allow it to organically move throughout the organization. But to do that, you need people to embrace that entrepreneurship, the spirit of entrepreneurship. You know, all, all I can say is, you know, I, those are the people that I absolutely love working with, you know, and I think that's where magic can happen, you know, when, when a partnership gets created between people like ourselves who are creating, you know, tools and programs and things like that, you know, on the outside work together with the visionaries within the organization. So we need you. We need-, <laughs> we need you. That's right. Yeah. And it's, you know, surprising sometimes it's not only the spark, but then eventually when something gets catalyzed on a bigger level, you know, it does have impact. There is a ripple effect. So absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for being on this podcast with me. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that, Mark? Yeah, it was a total pleasure, Raquel. Really uh, enjoyed this. So there's being at fullpotential.com, which is the main website. There is the assessment platform, which is being at fullpotential.io. And there, like I said in the conversation, you know, there's a platform where people can access resources and tools and everything. So that's being at fullpotential.io. Um, and then, you know, LinkedIn, Mark Van Deninde. Recently joined Instagram, also Mark Van Den Einde, all in one word. Did your daughter give you that advice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm on a steep learning curve, Raquel, uh-huh. <laughs> which is partially what kept me awake last night because it's, it's actually such a creative platform. I'm blown away by the things you can do there and uh, it's sparking a lot of ideas. So, yeah. Well, we'll put all the links you know, in the notes of the podcast, we'll have the links there. So our listeners can go and get in contact with you there. Mark, thank you for this conversation and um, for being on the Listening Superpower podcast. Yeah. Real pleasure, Raquel. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Raquel Ark, and you have just enjoyed your Listening Superpower podcast. This is an independent show. So please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and sharing with your friends. I love to hear from my listeners, what you love, what questions you have, any great guests that you have for the podcast. Email me at listeningsuperpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine one seven three two three four zero seven two two. Check out listeningalchemy.com if you want to help your team communicate more effectively together. 
We focus on evidence-based listening strategies, and we do it in a playful and experiential way so that your team can work better and feel better together. Thanks for listening in.